Welcome to the Bureau Briefing, a podcast by the Bureau of Digital, an organization devoted to giving digital professionals the support system they never had. Each episode, we're going to talk to a member of our community doing awesome, inspiring things. Now for your host, Carl Smith. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Bureau Briefing. This is Carl, and with me today, I have got Tracy Barrett from Navigate the Journey. Now, Tracy came on the scene in the Bureau community a few months ago. We started hearing her name as she was helping owners of different shops get their strategic planning and actually their leadership development together. She's attended a couple of the camps with us now. She was in Puerto Rico, and she was also in Montreal. And she is here today to help us understand more about empowering employees. How's it going, Tracy? Great. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah. No, it, and it's going to be fun because I am a huge advocate for empowering employees. In fact, I've often thought it was because I was so lazy as an owner that it just, I, I did it under the guise of empowerment. But in my heart, I was always like, why am I not doing more? So, so share with everyone, what is it that stops most owners from empowering their employees? Hmm, yeah, you know, it's interesting. When I talk to owners, I feel like there's there's several different reasons. And sometimes owners can feel like, oh, well, maybe I have control issues or I, I don't feel like I'm adding enough to the, to the shop if I'm not in the weeds with my workers. But some of it just goes back to owners really starting out as, um, you know, designers or engineers and they're heavy on their technical skills. And they feel a little more comfortable with their technical skills or with their operational skills as opposed to um, leaning more on the skills that they need now that their shop has evolved and they're an actual owner and they're responsible for an entire team where you need to more lean on your strategic skills or more of their of your um, leadership skills. And so it becomes hard because they keep, they're like the general that keeps going back to the front line. Um, and sometimes the busier a shop gets, the more um, the leader feels like they need to kind of clamp down and, and control what's going on. But what we find is that actually equals less productivity for your team when you're more involved and you actually have more success and more productivity the more that the owner kind of steps back and empowers their team. I, I could not agree more. And I think one of the reasons that Engineworks, my shop, did so well early on was I had none of the skills necessary to create what we made. Um, mm. So I couldn't jump in and help if I wanted to. Like I could do usability testing or, or things like that that are still not, they're not soft skills. I mean, they're things you have to learn. But when it came to coding or designing or any of that, I couldn't help. I'd still hang out. But later as, as the company evolved and suddenly there were more people, what I found was the more I hung out, the more people thought I would bail them out. And I don't, th- I don't mean that in a negative way. Th- they might have thought I was going to step in anyway. So I just kind of, I stunned them. But we actually, we, we came up with this, this concept that when an owner's in the room, he casts a shadow on everything. But when she leaves the room, the sunlight comes in and everybody can grow. And I think that was really true for us. H- how do you help owners let go of what I would say is probably fear that somebody's Mm. not going to do it right. Right, right. It's fear. And it's also feeling like they're the only ones who really understand what the organization needs. 
So part of it's really understanding that empowerment doesn't mean you just delegate tasks and then sit back and monitor results. Empowerment is really infusing your entire team with a sense of responsibility for the business. And that frees up your team and you. So when you infuse that team and say, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna have actually not be the sole owner here, figuratively speaking, we're going to share ownership of this. And the way we're going to share ownership is I'm going to get everybody together as a team and we are going to articulate what our mission is, what our values are, what the vision is for the company. And then all of a sudden the team is... They have shared purpose, they have shared behaviors and their corporate values, and they have shared direction. So they understand and can take ownership better for what they're doing because they know what you want as an owner. They know what the company means. They know what the ultimate goal is. So they're no longer in the dark. And then the leader, the owner, feels like, you know what, I can let go of the reins a little bit because they get it. So now I can trust more. So that, that trust level really, really builds when the, the, the shared sense of responsibility starts to really take root. And that makes perfect sense as well, because if they don't have the context, they can't make good decisions. Right. So if, as an owner, you just ask somebody to do something, but they're not sure why, and then you see them struggle, you're like, oh, I better take care of this. Mm-hmm. But to your point, if if you give them the vision, or don't give it to them, but work with them on it, it's so that they can actually see. I mean vision in the sense of being able to see what's ahead, which I guess is the right. same way that it's intended right. for a company. Then they can make those good decisions. Now, we went through a process where when we were creating the vision for Engine and we were creating our core values and, and all of the, the different things that were going to help people make decisions, we had everybody do it for themselves first. And then we look to see where are the common points, because if we can create a company that follows what we all already have innately, we're going to be a lot better off. I would imagine that's not the way a lot of companies are going to do it. So I'm just curious, when you go through this process and you do really focus on digital agencies, right? So I would say in my experience, digital agencies are a little more open. Mm -hmm. I think they're a little more giving. I think they want to try new things. So when they go through the process with you, how do they find the vision and the core values that are going to resonate with the team? Or do they focus much more on what feels right for the company? And if there's a little fallout with the team, that's just the way it's going to be. Well, the way we like to do it is to bring the team together. So we work with the owner. I mean, they're our primary customer, but we we have them select, you know, who are the people you want to bring into the room? Let's bring together your leaders or a cross-section of your team and get, you know, 10 to 15 people in a room and create this mission, values, and vision together. And then out of that, um, create strategy for the future. And that buy-in, when you have that team buy-in, that's, you know, still being led by and driven by the owner, but you have the team forming it together, the ownership of that vision, the ownership of that strategy is so deep and strong coming out of that process that um, you have a team that is really, the, the vision has been communicated to them, the goals have even been you know, partly selected by them. So we see engagement with the staff just go way up. 
Um, and again, that shared um, values and vision of the company connected with they're, they're seeing the big picture just as the owner sees it. And so when we come into a digital shop, oftentimes we, we find the owner has done work on mission or value or vision. They have an idea, but just haven't actually articulated it and haven't communicated it over and over and over again to the team. When you get in on the ground level, which is what you're talking about, when you're there at the mm-hmm. beginning, there's nobody to blame, right? It's mm-hmm. like you can't you can't lean on something that you think's a little bit off because you had that opportunity to help craft it, to help forge it from the beginning. So mm-hmm. as you come up with that team and you've come up with the missions and the value vision, you you understand now why. And you have all of that to go from. So you get with the shops, you get with the teams, you, you help them get this together. And then they go out into the world <laughs> and people have new responsibilities or they have new capabilities in, in what they're doing. I know I, I worked for a very, very strong boss, uh, Melanie, she's an amazing person, taught me a tremendous amount about business and just about how to deal with people overall. But she struggled to let me do things like really struggled. A lot of it was, I think, because I came in as the intern. And even though I had been there for like 10 years, there was still this residue. And so we were at a a conference and the person on stage said, if you want to get your life back, you're going to have to trust people on some level and don't watch them as they take off, wait and see where they end up. And so we had this conversation later where she just wasn't going to watch me when I started down a path to do something, she was just going to see the results that I got. It changed our whole relationship because mm. she was constantly convinced before that I was heading in the wrong direction. I just didn't think a lot of the stuff she did was necessary, you know? Mm. And so, yeah. so when, when you're coaching an owner or a leadership team that's now watching this empowered team, what, what are the kinds of things that you share with them or, or the... I guess almost the warning signs, like, hey, if you feel yourself doing this, what what is that like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, story there. But I think what I try to remind the owners is in order for your employees to step up, you have to step back. And they need to remind themselves of that because you want to see them to flourish and succeed, you really have to step out of the way and allow them to spread their wings and fly. And what you're doing with empowerment is you're giving them authority with responsibility. And they have to remember that without the authority piece, you're just giving them a list of to-dos. <laughs> you're, you're not empowering them. And the, the opposite of empowering is actually to discourage. Yeah. And so, you know, you really want to give people power and flexibility over projects. Let them learn and grow from their mistakes. And through that, you're creating an environment of self-improvement, which is fabulous. You get to see your employees grow, but you need to allow space for that growth. I mean, you're going to give them the resources and the support they need. You're going to fill them in on the why and how of the project. You're going to leave your door open, um, you know, per se, so that they can, even if you're not in the same office, even if you're a dispersed studio, you're still going to be available to them and and help them and support them. But you are, you're stepping back, you know, you're allowing them to kind of spread their wings and fly. So what happens when a client calls 
and they're frustrated and they're demanding to, to speak with the owner or some sort of an executive, and they're talking to somebody who has been given this empowerment, what happens in that situation? Well, I think the owner does have to take some responsibility for for their employee, and they're going to have to interact with that client, and they're going to probably have to smooth over if there's been a bump in the road. But they also, they, they need to stick up for their employee. They need to let their employees see that, you know, we all make mistakes, and it's, it's not easy, but, you know, we're going to get through it. We're going to get to the other side, and I think they need to communicate to their client, you know, that sense of fairness and that they've been heard and they will fix the situation. But go back to your employee and explain to them why the mistake has happened or how to do it differently. Again, in that, that environment of self-improvement where you, you are helping them understand and redirecting them, um, correcting and advising them. And the flip side to that is when they're doing things right and when things are going well, be quick to be positive too. You know, be be encouraging. Um, research shows that those managers that have that positive affect, that are interacting with their staff, that are saying thank you and rewarding for the good things that happen, it, it's very powerful. So you want to make sure you have a balance there, where you're correcting and redirecting and teaching in those moments where there are mistakes, but you're also not forgetting to recognize and to acknowledge the times when things are really going well. So communication's huge. Communication's always huge, if empowered or not. Um, but when it's an empowered environment, and what, what is the normal size of a team that you're working with? Anywhere from 10 to 100. 10 to 100. So, so communication obviously is different in the way the channels are, although I'd imagine the messages are, are probably similar. When, when you get to that, that team, regardless of the size, what are, what are the steps after you've established the core that everybody's going to go from to make sure that you're evolving as the needs of the company do and keeping everybody in touch with what's going on? Right. I think that that is why, no matter what your size, it's important that you have articulated what your mission is, what your values are, what your vision is, and what the strategy is for that coming year. And the job as the leader is to constantly communicate that. And it's going to feel awkward, like, why am I saying this over and over again? But it, it does take um, at least seven times for you to say it, for people to actually say, oh, well, he really means this or she really means this. This is actually where this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. It is the rudder on your ship mission and values are and vision for the coming year. I mean, vision and, and strategy is going to evolve as you grow. But the beautiful thing about having like a fixed company purpose and values are no matter who comes on board, that can be articulated to them because that doesn't change. And so people are aware and are coming into your culture and they're accepting that this is why the company exists and this, these are the values that we share and this is the behavior that we expect. And then the leader, the owner is out there sharing that direction with the team and, and here are our goals and they're clearly outlined so there's no, there's no confusion regardless of how large the company is. You know, it could be a very small company, which obviously makes it easier to communicate. But even if it's a very large shop, it can be easy to communicate because 
you, you're not alone. There's multiple people that get it and that are sharing that with you. So you want to make sure that as the leader, that communication is the number one thing that you get that you have to get out there and you have to keep articulating that strategy so that the execution is matched up with a strategy. It's like you want to aim and fire, not just be firing, (laughs) you know, ready, fire, aim. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're a runner. So, so, you know, there's a difference between running on a treadmill versus running to a destination. And there's a lot of satisfaction in running to that destination. And if your team knows what that destination is, wow, there's productivity, right? That's my favorite analogy ever. <laughs> I have to say, you can have thank it. you. Oh, no, I'm going to, I'm going to give you credit three times and then I'm taking it for my own. Um, <laughs> no, there's so much truth to what you said about an owner feels like they're just repeating themselves again and again and again. And I think part of it is, especially for digital agency owners, we're so used to innovating and we're so used to an industry that's changing all the time that to say something seven times, which by the way, I was a media director and seven placements of an ad would get you three views, would get you one recognition. So it's mm-hmm. so amazing to hear that number. I, I had a big smile when you said seven. I was like, I know that number. Um, but but you do get tired and you forget that there's constantly new people coming in. So that's an, a question for me. Once I've got this culture of empowerment and I've, I've got the team is running smoothly and making good decisions and, and their bumps and all that kind of stuff. But, but for the most part, it's like so much better. How does that affect the hiring and onboarding process? I think it makes it easier. I think that, you know, you start to build in your, your mission, your shared purpose and your values into your onboarding. And it makes it easier on both sides for whoever your hiring manager is that's bringing these people on board. They know the company motto. They know the behaviors. They've been articulated and defined according to what your definitions are, not Webster's Dictionary, but what's your definition of these company values? So when you bring that person in, you're able to clearly communicate that to them. And then the new employee feels a huge sense of relief because they know what is expected of them. They know what the objectives are of their job individually, but they also understand the organization as a whole. So it gives them more motivation and energy and more connection more quickly than would be if that wasn't defined. It would take them a long time to figure out what the culture is or what's the mission or where's my place in this. And it's kind of confusing. You know, there's, there's time that takes time typically for an employee to figure that out. But if you've clearly articulated it, man, it makes that onboarding and that employee feel connected much more quickly. I've had a situation when I was running my shop where if I tried to step in there was almost this banner of empowerment that would get waved almost to, to shoo me off. And it could be that I was in the wrong. It could be that I should have let it play out, but I'm just curious, how do you know as an owner, if something's going off the rails versus you're uncomfortable and trying to step back in? That's a great question. I think a lot of it is trusting your gut. In the end, this is, this is your shop. This is your company and your team. And I think if you sense something is off and, and you feel that irritation, I don't think there's harm in stepping in and, and assessing what is going on. And it's not, 
in what you say, it's usually in how you say it, right? So you can enter into the situation um, with a high level of control, or you can enter in the, into the situation with a high level of curiosity. So if you enter in more curious than certain about what's going on, you can garner a lot of feedback from the team that's usually more honest and open. So you want to make sure that you enter into that situation with the proper, you know, proper interaction with your with your staff, being curious, asking the right questions. And I think I always encourage owners to understand that empowering your staff does not mean disappearing. I mean, you actually should be having conversations. You should be asking them questions, even if you know the answer to the question, because that shows that you care. You, you have a connection with them. You, you care about their opinions. And so rather than just coming in and providing, providing um, answers, have, a, have an open dialogue that's filled with questions coming from you. You value their opinion. You want to know what's going on. And that environment usually can diffuse any of that, oh, here he comes. You, know? <laughs> you talk to them. You, yeah. They knew. That's how they yeah. were. Oh, he's carrying a book, everyone. Look out. I think he read another book. <laughs> exactly. so, I think what you just said about approaching with curiosity, that is so powerful. And you know, even if you think you know the answer, asking the question, because sometimes you'll find that there's a better answer. And it's so rare, especially in our industry, that there's one answer. You know, and and maybe that's true in in all industries and in life in general, that there's always more ways to look at things. So I I think that's an amazing piece of advice just to show up with curiosity. Oh, yeah. And I think for for one of the number one traits in a leader that is valued is that character and humility. And part of being humble as a leader is realizing that you don't know everything and that you can learn from your employees. And it's what an amazing experience to have to be able to have this staff that you can go to and ask questions and and really enter into a true honest relationship with them where you know you're you're still the owner you you carry a lot of responsibility but if you can come to them humbly and say hey what do you think about this i mean ultimately the decision is going to lie with the owner but that doesn't mean you can't go in to your staff and, and show some vulnerability in situations and be able to engage in honest communication with them. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for being on the show today and giving this great advice. And, and I know that you've been working with several of the shops that are in the Bureau. So if anybody's interested in finding out more about Navigate the Journey, just go ahead and get in touch with me and I'll put you in touch with Tracy. Tracy, thanks again for being with us today. Thank you, Carl. It was great. Everybody else, we'll talk to you next week. Have a great one.